0: Welcome to the CTC Podcast, where Chase Minifield, Dom Joseph, and Bill French discuss life lessons they have learned as young entrepreneurs in the business world. Join them as they debate current events, business topics, and enjoy a few
1: laughs with their
0: weekly guests. And now for today's show.
1: What up, what up? Here we are with another episode of the CTC Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Minifield. Maximilian, what's good?
0: What up, world? How y'all doing today?
1: Dom Joe, what's
0: good? Everything, man. Everything is everything, man. I feel blessed.
1: Everything is everything. Special guest on the podcast today, one of our former teammates, O'Day Abushi. What's up?
2: Nah, we in here. We in here. appreciate you, fellas. Appreciate you letting me share this yeah. platform with y'all.
1: No doubt, yeah. man. We appreciate all of our former teammates that can get on here and share their experience, man. So, for all of you guys that don't know O'Day, O'Day. Um, Offensive lineman extraordinary. I guess Ode, you didn't play everywhere on the line now, huh?
2: Uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty much. For starting from guard pretty to much, tackle. Yeah. Only thing I didn't play center.
1: Center. Um, but yeah, so so Ode played offensive line at UVA, left tackle. I'm sure. What you, you was left tackle at, at, on our team, right?
2: Most uh, of them? all, four years, all four years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hold down the hold down the the, the backside. Um, so obviously he came from a, a lineage of. Um, left tackle greats at the UVA um in the UVA lineage. Um, was drafted in the two thousand thirteen NFL draft, has played with the Texans, Seahawks, Raiders. Am I missing anybody? You with the yeah. Cardinals now. I, I, I,
2: yeah, I'm with Arizona now, but I, I would say I more had a cup of cup of coffee with the Raiders. I wouldn't really call it playing for them.
1: Okay, cool, cool. Uh so with the Cardinals now. Um out of out of Brooklyn, BX, um,
2: close. B, BX is the Bronx, but close.
1: Oh, okay. BK. <laughs> okay.
2: We, we <laughs> yeah. BK. work. BK. Next borough, next, like next borough over. Next
1: borough over. Uh, All right, <laughs> cool. Well, um, I need you know the one thing about me at UVA is that I, you know, Ko comes out of New York, and then O'Day comes out of New York. Who else came out of New York from up there? Mike like Brown. out of the city, Mike Brown. Mike, Mike Brown. Anybody Mike, else?
0: Brown. Mike Brown is from Newark, New Jersey.
1: Oh, he's from Jersey. Oh, I Come I was on, I was in that? New
2: York. Yeah, we right, right over the bridge. Close enough.
1: Nah, nah, nah. We going with the straight people from the city. Where the who came from the city that played on the team, man? Uh, let's
2: no. see. It was me. Ahunamba. Keno. Ahunamba. Mike. Mike. Yeah. Mike was actually he was from the Bronx. He played uh, played against yeah. him in high school. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, Mike. Ain't no love more. Enjoy Mike. Enjoy Mike.
3: <laughs> yeah, y'all crazy for talking about a man like that. What's <laughs> wrong, I didn't say
0: that. you Mike say, I man. I, man, shout out my man. What about say, Man, shout out my man, Mike, with man, That's my dog, man. I just, you know. <laughs> there's so yeah, yeah, much first, stuff going on. There's
1: <laughs> <whole bunch> <laughs> Yeah, there was a whole bunch of stuff going being said underneath his breath when we mentioned that name, man. Mm, <laughs> I'm just saying, right down down. Right, saying, man.
0: Do
1: you
2: feel the snap,
0: dude? You know what I'm saying. I still
2: see. I I still see. Ain't no one safe, Dom. Ain't no one I, safe. I wasn't safe, man.
0: Hey, man. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, man. My bad. Let's keep rolling. It's all
1: good. It's all good. All right. Well, Oday, man. Let's jump into this. Um. Go ahead and get the get a guy's your. You, what's so funny, Don? You good? Hey man, hey, we gotta talk about this man. <laughs> what no. you wanna talk about?
0: Go ahead, Don. The conditioning testing camp, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <my God. laughs> I,
2: I I knew you and were gonna
0: go there. Water.
1: What the hell? Were they had the water, my man, out the grass? But <laughs> they, they was spraying water on his back. We never see nobody getting water sprayed on his back. man! Oh. Oh, uh, oh,
3: that joke is terrible, bro. Oh. Shit, we. Cause, cause Mike, Kelly,
2: Kelly, Kelly, on the sideline trying to baptize a Mike, and we were over there looking like we're going. On. <laughs> 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 look like, at Mike! 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 the looks so good over there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey. Now we're going oh, to get man. Mike on the podcast oh, next week. Oh, we got you this.
3: this is before all the, all the heat waves. You know, you know, all the people with oh. heat stroke. This is before oh, all that. Yeah. I, I, I never really see him, Joyce.
1: To be honest with you I never see somebody oh. out there on the field on all fours unless we was doing stretches. But he was never nah. on all fours. look at was yeah.
0: looking for the Look at him man, yeah, looking
1: back I, on it now, I don't know if he was gonna make it. <laughs> he was no, nervous. I'm dude. on the floor right now, man. Y'all are too funny, dog. Oh, oh god. back to the back to the regular schedule program, <laughs> man. Before Dom decided to start laughing without a, without being on mute. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh day, uh, let's go ahead and start with um. I know we just told him a little bit about where you're from, but talking about playing football up in. New York, man. You know, a lot of people think New York known for the for the for the round ball. So, um, tell a little bit about you coming up, how you got started with football, um, being recruited, why you decided to come to UVA, and then we'll go from there. We'll get into your UVA experience after that.
2: All right. Well, my well, really, football's been in the family my whole life. My two older brothers played, and then my older my the, my older brother ahead of me, he had got a scholarship to Fordham, and he played and. Uh, up in the Bronx, and I remember everyone always going to his game, and it always being like a family event, and everyone always trying to make it to the games, and that was always, always a kind of event in which always brought the family together. So kind of football always held a near dear, you know, place in our hearts because it always brought the family together. So we appreciated that. So he played, my two other brothers played, and eventually I always figured I'd play, and I kind of followed their footsteps, went to the same high school. Uh, played football there. Obviously, football wasn't the biggest sport in New York. More so, lacrosse and basketball. But you know, what I'm saying we put out some athletes, some studs occasionally. um So I happened to come along and take that role for a little bit. Played a, played at Severian all four years, and then that was it. Got a, got, I got a scholarship to Virginia. One of my, one of my many scholarships there, and I uh, decided to go there just because the great, you know, like you mentioned earlier, the great tradition of offensive linemen coming out of there. And the you know, the Brickshaw Ferguson, Eugene Monroe, Brandon Alberts, guys like that who kinda inspired me, who who really laid the path in which I wanted to follow too. Um and and that was it. It was really no-brainer. You know, I thought it was it was a it was a great school for education. It was a good amount of, you know, distance from home to where I could still be in touch and the family could come watch me play, but yeah, I could do my own thing and 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 enjoy Seaville. And then, you know, with the bigger picture of mine, it was a respectable school, putting out a lot of athletes in the NFL. Um, not just offensive linemen, and I wanted to be a part of that tradition. And then here I am today.
1: Silent man. So when you got to UVA, um, did you know what you was getting into, first of all, academically? Did you have any type of issue um, with academics while you were there? And did you did – you, just give me your overall experience with the UVA experience as far as being a student-athlete.
2: Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought we had a good help system around me. You know, I had have, I have my shorty, Miss Crady, over there. So she was, you know what I'm saying, she was taking care of me on that end, and, and she made sure I was with all my classes. And for me, uh, the experience is what I made it. You know, I, I went to school there, and I'm and from the first day I stepped on campus, I knew I was on a mission to do bigger things than besides just being a student athlete there. So I really just try to use my time at the university, you know, really to benefit me and, and then do what I can. And uh, I really had a good time there. I first got there, I thought – the city was a little slow and, you know, you know shit was a little weak for my tasting and my, my speed. But, you know, once I gave it a chance after my, my freshman, my uh, really my first year um, and allowed the Charlottesville to just be Charlottesville and Virginia to be Virginia and, and really just take it in. Um, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I really, really think that was probably the best four years of my life.
1: That's what's up, man. So what did you study?
2: I studied Sociology.
1: The the good old yeah, social major, pretty um,
2: pretty rare, pretty rare there.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's I, not to, I, not too many I, people I, in
2: that. In that. I, I wanted to do something different. You feel me?
1: Yeah, I feel you on that. Um, so when you when you played, uh, you played four years. It was your goal always to make it to the league? Um, did you ever have any doubts about that? And I guess um. Give us your, your your playing experience on the other side of the foot on the other side of the ball as far as outside of school, going to football going to UVA as a Virginia Cavalier football player. You accomplished what you want to accomplish. Um, was you happy with the team's success? What did you learn there as a football player at the University of Virginia?
2: Well, as a football player, I I think I developed a lot, you know, in the program. But for me, mostly, you know, we didn't win as much and, and that sucked. And, you know, the year we did win it was amazing, but you know, with Virginia and, and the football there, and what that really taught me was the brothers that I met there and, and the boys that I go through the grind with. And some of them don't make it all the way, and, and some do. And the ones that end up making it, you know what I'm saying, those are the ones you end up keeping around you forever because those guys that are on the same wavelength of you, they understand the bigger picture. And really, you gain a brother in life. And that and that's something i always appreciate Virginia for and the fact that, you know, the, the boys I've made there and the brothers I've made there and the relationships I have now because of it, and, and that's really that, you know what I'm saying? Football was football. We had some great coaches. We had some bad coaches, you know what I'm saying? That come to every program. And and then that was it. Just trying to make the best of it. So overall, I thought it was a good experience besides not winning as much. I had a good yeah.
1: time. We got that one, one year of winning, huh? What was your overall uh, record there at UVA in your four years, Zode? Uh, <laughs>
2: hmm.
1: <laughs> what was your first year? Yeah. I got my calculator. How I many ways did you get your first year?
2: I think we went what four and eight.
1: Four and eight. Did your second year?
2: Well, I think we went like maybe like five and seven, or something like that. And then the next year, y'all double we checking
1: three. these numbers. Nah, you got it nah, nah. We okay, was five and seven. Okay. We was five
3: and seven. Your first year was with uh when my grow's son was the offensive coordinator.
0: <laughs> so we were
3: five uh, and seven. We were five and seven. That was our. That was our. Seven so year.
1: five, four, five
0: and, five
1: and seven. And seven and we were
0: like three and
1: nine. Four and eight.
0: Five. Four. We were uh, four nine. Four and eight. All right, bro. We what? We went three and nine at oh nine, bro. We won them three All right, games. So yeah.
1: Here goes a good. Here goes a good. Here goes a good teacher point for everybody listening to this we'll be, podcast. We beat USC though. When you when, you, when you're not doing <laughs> well, you don't you don't remember none of that. You just go ahead and throw, <laughs> throw it out the window and act like it didn't even happen. But, pretty, but everybody knows more. what I they just, did.
2: I, yeah. I just remember everybody knows what happened here. on the bowl game yeah.
1: season. Yeah, the bowl game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We know what I mean. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, we yeah. got yeah, that in yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Everything else was. Everything else optional. Everything else was
2: optional.
1: Everything else out the window, hard. man. As soon as the season was over, we on to the next season. Didn't even happen. But, uh, that's all good. Um, so, uh, O'Day, oh, tell everybody what you're doing now. Uh, obviously, you're in the league, but um, give everybody your NFL experience to this point and what business ventures you've got into, if any, so far.
2: Yeah, so I'm going into my seventh year. Um, blessed, you know what I'm saying? Doing what I could do to just continue to play the sport and the game I love. And, you know, football really helped me propel a lot of things in my life and make a lot of opportunities and, and really invest in things. For me, one of the things I was always um, – really key on being from New York and being from Brooklyn in the city was, was the real estate whole thing with that. And the idea of developing properties and whether, whether it's a commercial space, whether it's a apartment or it's um, a shopping plaza um, for me, that's always been interesting because that's spaces and and opportunities people always need. And for someone coming from New York um, to see the, to see how people made money by just meeting people's needs and, and creating things that were convenient for people of that sort um, was a big thing. So right now I got, um, I got some mixed use properties that I'm working on as far as um, development going and, and kind of getting them up and running and, and leased out and, and things of that sort. And I got um, a few properties under my belt right now, looking to close on a third one soon here. And, and that's really it. You know, I plan on doing that as long as I can. And, you know, the more I could accumulate, the the better I'll be.
1: When did you start? Um, when <laughs> did you start Thinking about something outside of actually playing ball. When did you start trying to put some focus into, you know, building something outside of, you know, pay, them paying you that check?
2: The first, uh, the first time was the first day of rookie mini camp. I put that helmet on. I went out there and I saw the and Sean Ferguson play left tackle, and I realized I wasn't going to play left tackle. So for me, <laughs> I, I realized I realized that this game, the NFL, really stands for not for long. And and for me personally, like. I was, you know, knew I'd make it there, and that was always a goal of mine. But I think getting there was was the bigger, the biggest eye opening experience, and the fact that it wasn't what people thought. Shit wasn't all sweet what people thought. Like, you know, what I'm saying what you know the image that people you know have of the NFL of what it really is to be in the league is total opposite of what it really takes to be in the league, and and the things you got to do to maintain, and and the kind of the professionalism you got to have to be in that business. So, um, the pretty much from the first day I knew this was something that could chew me up and eat and kick me out whenever I wanted. So um, I immediately had a plan B in my head and plan C. And, and that was just to continue just to do what I was going to be possible about, whether it was football or real estate and or whatever whatever it may be. But I never really put all my eggs in one basket mentally as far as football went because, you know what I'm saying, you just never know. You know, that's that's unfortunately a sport. That's a business that you don't really control your own fate or your own destiny. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's another business where – your hard work doesn't guarantee you success. You know, people think just because you work hard and you're doing the right things 24 um, 7, you know, 99% of the job, 99% of the time, that's going to, you know, you're going to come out on top because of that. But, you know, it's different with the league. There's a lot of a lot of moves that you don't control. And, and I got to realize that early on in the league. And, and, and that kind of just, you know, made me have more faith in my plan.
1: Little call right there. What's Dom Joe to- Max, who 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 got something for Okay. Him? Uh this is a
0: question that we ask um a lot of our athletes and former athletes that have played in uh and professionally. Do you think um do you think the college collegiate athletic curriculum prepares athletes uh for life after their sport?
2: Um uh, I don't think so. And I, and I say that because I feel like there's just only a certain amount of majors in which an athlete could take that would allow him to be an athlete and a student at the same time. So I feel like what, we're, what some people are, or some athletes are truly passionate about can't pursue because that class is not, you know, offered at a certain time or the requirements are too bigger or there's not just simply not enough time. You you can't, you know, be out every weekend and missing, missing the weekend because of games and, and sporting events and, you know, there's there's mandatory things you have to be doing for other majors. So um, I don't think it it propelled us really or, or really prepared us for life after being an athlete. I think um, there needs to be definitely a median and or, I guess, levels to it and where, you know, if an athlete is, is committed and, you know, he's all in and, and all that stuff to, to play the sport and to go professional, then, you know, there's a set requirement or set majors in which they could take. You know, but if an athlete... You know, someone who who being realistic, someone who's not going to go to the NFL, someone who who knows that and and doesn't you know plan on that being in their future, in which they could have a different curriculum or they could have a different schedule, um, in which obviously they could still be an athlete, but but maintain or or put more time towards another major and in, in which they're passionate about, not not just because they have to take sociology or they have to or or I don't know computer science or whatever the other you know popular majors amongst. Athletes may be, but I feel like for the most part, we're really forced into the majors we we pick because it's only, you know, one of the few majors that really fit our schedule. And at the end of the day, you know, I know we're student athletes, but you know, we're all there on scholarship for a reason. And, you know, we gotta do what we gotta do to maintain that scholarship. And I know grades are an important thing, but if you're not maintaining that scholarship, you're not balling. You know what I'm saying? Football welfare ends pretty quick. And we you know, we saw that for some people.
0: Thanks. So what you think they should do? Cut down on meeting times because we do have a lot of meetings. Uh- I think we I think, a lot
2: of every, well, we got a lot of everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we do. We got. A lot, I think. I think the scheduling. I think for younger guys, I think that that the meeting times appropriate, especially for guys making that transition from high school into college, and and because um, it is a transition, you know. And everyone's different. Some people take a couple of weeks. Some people take a year. Some people never get it. And 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 that's to each his own. But i mean i think you know starting from from the first years you know you have that that set program which you have all the help you can around those guys and you help them push them off into the right direction but i think as the guys get older um i think you start to scale back on a lot of things you know the meeting times the study hall um you know requirements that other you know first year guys would have i, I know we're a team and everything like that but you know i think they also has to be conscious that, that everyone has different goals everyone has different aspirations and and want to go do different things. So for us to all be on the same schedule, that that stops a lot of people. That puts a lot of people in, all, in tough positions, to where now you feel like if you're not committing to this time, you're letting out a team. Which really, if you, you know, by you not committing to the time, you're really letting yourself down. If something that you really want to do, you know, if you like I said, if you don't plan on balling or you don't want to go to the league or anything like that, I think it gives you an opportunity to pursue something in which you are going to have a long term investment in, it's something you in which you are going to build your future around. So, I mean, meeting time could be one of them. Study hall could be another, um, you know, whatever mandatory, you know, stuff to make everybody do and which older guys don't need to be at. Um, Because, obviously, you know, at this point in college, you know, third-year, fourth-year guys, you know what I'm saying, you should really have that figured out at that point. So um, I'm sure there's ways to trim the fat, um, you know, but I I think it probably starts with the scheduling for first. Right. Big facts. Mm.
0: Go ahead, Max.
3: That's what's up. Uh, I mean, I guess my main thing is what, you know, got you into real estate? Like, Did you have a background in real estate? I always like, you know, people who get into real estate, I think it's, I wouldn't say one of the hardest things to get into, but it's, there's a lot of real estate around and some people think that every deal is a good deal. But like, how do you find what you think is a good deal and what really got you into the real
2: estate play? Hmm. I, I, well, just getting into real estate, really, I mean, I remember as a kid growing up, I've always been infatuated with trucks and stuff like that, and and to, from seeing container trucks to contractor supplies to advertisement, whatever it is, you know, I always saw a building and a brand behind it, and, you know, obviously being in the city and being in New York, these trucks were always coming from construction sites, left and right, and, you know, one day you're passing by a construction site, and then a year later you pass by it, and there's all, it looks totally different, there's a whole building there, and, infrastructure and there's people in and out of it. And there's a business going on there. And for me, I've always loved seeing things come together. I've always, I've always been hands-on to the point where like, I like to see things come together. I like to see a plan work out, whether it's perfect or not. Um, and, and for me, I've always just been very intrigued by that. So the fact of building and the thought of buildings always been fun to me. And that's something I've been passionate about, but, um, you know, my dad was into real estate early on and, he didn't do the whole college thing, but he came here when he was young and, you know, he just started grinding and did what he had to do. And eventually he accumulated a good amount of stuff, you know, and and a lot of deals were bad. A lot of deals were good, you know, but you live and you learn. But I think the biggest thing, you know, when you put together a real estate deal, you got to look at your expenses, you know, and if your expenses, whether it's your state tax, it's your income tax on the building or, you know, you deal with city with the violations or what is it going to take to get you where, you know, you have to ask, you know, you go know, you buy a property, say for a million dollars. Yeah, that's great. You got a property for a million dollars, but, you know, you get in the property and it's a mess. So now you have to put 500,000 into the property. And now, you know, you have to go lease the property. And now if whatever your tenants are paying isn't covering your mortgage, now you're in the hole. So for me, you know, making these deals, I always right away before I look at any profit or what it could be, I lay out all the expenses. Every expense, whether it's the HO, a building fee, it's uh, your taxes or your water bill, whatever the, the fee for the building per year is, is what I always try to look at. And then I try to look like what, what the income is looking like. If the income you know, is, is maxed to where the building is producing or the property is producing, whatever you're doing is producing as much as it can at the max, and you're covering your mortgage, I think it's a great investment. I think anything under five years and getting your down payment back is a great investment. You know, according to a lot of people. And for me, I kind of gauge that in that way. If I was to get my down payment back in the first five years, it's a great investment because not only you get your down payment back, yeah, you may not get it back because you spent that, but you gained the equity back in the building. And now you're, you went from starting to negative to, you know, four or five years in, now you're at zero. And everything you're making, everything at zero, everything past that is becoming a profit. You know, I feel like a lot of people put their money into something and they don't see it for 10, 15 years that's where the issue becomes of people thinking they're going to get their money back so fast, but it's manageable. You got to, you got to be true to yourself. You have to stay to your budget, you know, in, in the real estate business, it's so easy to see people on these five, two million deals. And yeah, you want to jump in on that because it sounds great, but your pockets can't handle that. Don't do it. You know what I'm saying? If you're, if you can't chew it, don't swallow it. And, and that's something you know that that people learn the hard way, and they go too much in, and they go all in, and they figure out at the end of the day that the bank don't give a shit how much you put in, and how much you put out. You know they care about you making that mortgage, and and that's that, and and that's how I kind of gauged it. You know I kind of looked at it always with the reality of things. I always look at things in the fact that if it could go south real quick, and I'll be out of it. But at the same time, you know scared money don't make money, so um, that kind of just with with that with that idea and that philosophy. and I you know I put a, I built a pretty good team around myself, you know in which I could outsource things and questions like that because I don't have all the answers you know i'm I'm kind of just jumping into this building into this business a few years in, and things are going well, but you know I've had a few few things blindside me, but you know and everything new that's going to happen, so it's a matter of just really you also got to have that team around you know you have a question about your taxes, you go to your accountant. Something wrong with the building, you know what I'm saying? You got your, your contractor, whatever it is, or, you know, you're dealing with the department of the city, you got your lawyers. So, you know, I, I think it starts with just having a good team. Cause once you have a team in, you kind of feel like you're invincible because you kind of feel like you, you, you got strength and numbers and the fact that every category that could go wrong, you're covered. And, uh, and, and that, was a, that was a big part of me and, and kind of jumping into everything like that is just having a solid team. And then, you know, pretty much based off of what I just told you guys earlier, as far as, you know, making the right moves, if the numbers make sense.
1: That's good right there. So, so how, how do you how do you feel like you've built your team all day? How do, I guess that's a good um, a good topic to discuss today is team building and how to find people around you that you can trust um, and uh, the benefit of having a good team.
2: Uh, I mean, for, for me, the people, the people I trust, everybody on my team is my family. So I I really don't, you know, I don't, you guys know, I come from a big family. I'm one of 10. So I, I was blessed where everybody in my family could do something different. And we have some lawyers, we have some accounts, stuff like that. So I really don't branch out besides my family. Um, as far as building my team, cause it's most people I trusted throughout my whole life. And so they, you know, haven't proved me wrong. So, you know, I work with my family a lot when it comes to stuff like this. You know, they're all pretty educated in different kind of areas in, in which I trust. And then um really, you know, by just having a team, you give yourself more opportunity to be flexible and, and to go make more moves. You know, if it's just you and you're constantly working on one project, you, you know, you're kind of closing that window, that vision you have in your eye because there's deals going on all around you and you can't even think to look at them. You forget to even look up when you're always looking down and you're kind of always trying to do everything on your own. And for me... The first property I did, I learned that the hard way by trying to do everything myself. And me trying to do myself, it myself stressed me out. And, you know, I felt like it wasn't going the way I wanted. And I was missing opportunities. I was missing details. You know, you miss little things here and there, trying to focus on just doing everything by yourself. Um, that, you know, your, your mind, you just don't have that capacity. You know, unless you're Albert Einstein, that's great. Or, you know, maybe you do have that. But for me personally, mentally, I didn't have the capacity to just do it all on my own. The vision and to create what I wanted to create, I had that in my head. And, and that's the most important thing. But to build my team and, and to build the people that I would work with and even outside my family, you know what I'm saying? Cause I have, I, you know, you got to have connections at the DOP, Department of Building in the city. You got to have tax, you know, you got to have inspectors, you got to be in with inspectors. You got to grease the right people. You got to know, you know what I'm saying? So like a lot of it's going to come outside of, uh, outside of your team. But the importance of having this team is that you're not alone. You know what I'm saying? Like you have options, you have. You have situations where you could get out of it if you're in, and and that's the biggest thing. You know, your your team does well, and you you know you're going to do well, and, and and I really believe that, especially in this line of work.
1: Are you doing most of your real estate investments in uh, in New York, or are you trying to branch? Because I know, obviously, we said you played on multiple teams. Have you looked in different areas, or are you just trying to stick focused to where your team is at?
2: I have. I have everything I got right going on right now is in Brooklyn, Manhattan. Um, so I could pretty much those are the areas that I'm most familiar with and I could kind of have, I have a good feel of where the city is moving and what areas are being changed and what areas are coming up and what areas are going down. Um, so New York primarily, I feel like it, is where I'll be at. Um, but you know, Texas is a big part of, of the bigger picture in my head because, you know, being in Houston and then, you know, I'm in Dallas for at least three months out of the year in uh, which I train down in Dallas. Um and just being down here and seeing the infrastructure and see how, how many opportunities there is and, and the kind of where the city is going and the need for more housing. You know, people always, you know, commercial is a great way to go. But in Texas, because it's such an attractive state, there's no state tax, there's a lot of space, there's opportunity companies left and right, you know, are coming here because of the growth of the city. Um a lot of a lot of people think like, let's just go put a business there. But really, you look at the numbers and you look at the information in Texas, and especially in Dallas. There's not there's a big home crisis here, so not enough people are building homes, and it's gone hard to where you're building homes, so where not enough contractors are building homes. So now that the homes that are on the market, since they aren't being built as much anymore, are now being priced way higher and now are really hot commodity. And then you find a home in a good schooling area and a school school district. School's huge, you know. You find you look for the big schools, the best schools in the area. You look for, you know, major exits and on ramps for highways. You look. Um, you know, traffic in areas, what intersection is where and, and what, what's going on in that intersection? Is that between two major highways? Is that coming off? Is that intersection between two major boulevards? You know, and, and that's something, you know, I, you, you look into when you're doing these projects, the more you look into, the more you start paying attention. And, um, I think Dallas, Texas really in general is a huge opportunity to, to make moves and really not have to, you know, sell an arm and a leg. You know, with, with the opportunity to come down here and make moves the way you can, you don't have to put that much in. And I feel like that's also another reason why, like, it's a good market to get into if, you know, if this is something you want to start. Dallas, Texas really is a good market to get into. But at the same time, you have to have a team because you don't know the areas well. You don't know where areas are going to be the best. You know what areas are up and coming, where things are being built. So that just goes to part of having your team. But um, I think right now everything – for the most part, in New York, and uh, eventually, I'd like to branch out to Dallas or or some places in Texas, maybe Houston or Plano or Frisco area, and um, kind of get some things going there.
1: Silent, Dom Joe, how do you feel about your team? How do you build a team, Dom Joe, as a um, business owner? Um, what's your what's your thought processes and main points as far as trying to find a team to bu- build around? Before you
2: um, answer that, Dom, what, what what you got going on? What you doing now?
1: Uh, Right now, I do
0: business development and marketing for uh, my family's engineering firm. I do um, helping hands in the, run the Philadelphia branch of helping hands. I should say PA branch of helping hands. Um, And then I'm also going going back to school for, I'm going back to school for my construction management certificate so I can start working with uh, my dad's uh, construction firm as well. So Okay. I got I got a couple things going on, man. Um my my big thing is right now especially um when it comes to building a business and now that I'm getting into my I'm getting into my groove within the last 2 years, like I know what I'm good at. I know I'm building I know I'm good at building relationships and despite despite popular belief on this uh podcast, you know what I'm saying, I am good at organizing. You know, so like one thing you know about Dom Joe, he going to communicate. False.
2: I'm not going to miss Super it. Super false. Again down Dom, there's people listening to this podcast, man, and kids. So, I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to miss a deadline. Dom Joe's I'm first like going to miss a deadline.
3: <laughs> hey, hey, man, Dom good, man. will annoy the heck out of you <laughs> because he don't know what he's doing, but he want to make it your emergency that he don't know what he's doing. That is not called, well, that's not communication, Dom. That's called being unfair. Hold on, hold on, Max, Max. <laughs> well, when, you when know when what? Ever, what?
0: When did I ever bug you, Max?
3: You didn't, but I heard it all type of Chase. <laughs> hey, you know all the stories.
0: Man. I know all the stories, man. You were not about? prepared, and you get flustered. You get flustered. Hey, number, one, number, one, number one, number one, Dom Joe never walks into the room not prepared now. That's what, that's what we... Yeah. The one thing we ain't going to do is go to the meeting and forget the pen. You know what I'm saying? Dom, Dom, Joe, Dom Joe has a different way of
1: saying that saying every day. He has a different <laughs> way of saying that saying, man. He, he, has, a hundred, he has a hundred ways of saying he's not going to walk into a dark room.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh hey, man. man. But yeah, so I really I really know I know where I need help and um and you know I know what I'm good at. So the areas that I know that I'm lagging, that's that's the areas I try to get the best help and I try to make sure that I, I hire the experts and stuff like that and then um pretty much just build my team that way. And uh yeah. I, I try to make sure also my core values align with everybody that I work with as well. I'm not Just gonna bring you in because you're good, you know what I'm saying? I want, I want people to have this, people to do things for the same reason I'm doing
1: them. Big facts. I agree. Max, what I about agree. you? That's what what it comes with what yeah. comes up with Max when he's building a team?
2: You hey, if, gotta be good looking. I, you gotta be good looking. You can't be no work. Work. <laughs> Go That's true. Go That's
3: ahead. That's one of them. But if I if I ain't ever worked with you, and you can't work with me. Look, I need a I need a reference, a couple references. I got to see your last job. What have you done lately? I'm, I'm strict with my team, man. I don't take no chances. So everyone who's new, they'll know. It. I'll give them a little small job, like something that probably don't even need done. Like when I was building a new construction team for my commercial real estate business, I had, a, uh, I had them put a basement wet bar in my basement that I didn't even need just to see what kind of work they did. And then I was like, all right, I'll use them. But man, I, I don't take no chances because in construction, you'll learn, man. First yeah. impressions mm-hmm. are everything. If you, you know, if you mess up on the first project, I don't care how good you are, man. No company's going to take a chance on you again because that's really on them. If that person hires you and you mess up, it's a lot of money, time, and and effort that's lost. So I, I really don't take no chances, man. It's hard.
1: So what's the number one character trait, you look all three of you guys? What's the number one character trait you're looking for when trying to say, okay, I'm going to do business with this person or I'm cool with working with this person? What What is that character trait that you're looking for? Is it is it like a work ethic or is it like... You know, this person has prior history of doing good stuff. Like, what what specifically are you looking for? Uh, I got, I
0: got, I got Chase. That's that's a two part answer for me, man. Because like with Helping Hands, I look for pretty much just your work ethic. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need a really good try hard guy. You can clean. Cleaning is 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 exactly what it is. Cleaning. You know what I'm saying? But i I more so align myself with Max when I'm building the team. When I'm building team in construction because. There is a lot on the line like Max said, and you really gotta look at the rap sheet, you know what I'm saying? What have you done lately? Look at the resume, get a couple references, especially in Philly, it's a small city. So, you know, you you people that are in this industry know each other. It's a small fraternity, so I would definitely go off of uh the resume for real first.
2: Resume and reputation in in construction. Yeah. Yeah, 100 for percent. For me, when I'm when I'm putting together a team, the first thing I really look for is, are you going to be a problem solver or just an excuse? Like for me, you know, being in the construction business and being in the development business, there's shit that goes wrong left and right every day. And if you think it's going to go right perfectly every day, you're in for a rude awakening. So for me, like if, if something goes wrong on my team and and it's not a major issue, I I don't need to know about it. For me personally, if it's not something major or very right pressing and stuff like that, and doesn't need to be take like for me to know right now, I need to that person to be able to just figure out the solution and, and keep the whole kind of train on track kind of deal. Like I don't need people coming. Oh, this happened. Okay, like if I give them a solution and they already knew that solution, that's what I don't need. At that point, we're just wasting time or being repetitive. And another thing for me is is finding a rule bender, not breaker because with the system is the way things are and, and, and the way you know the country's built everything's built with a set of rules and guidelines really in which to kind of keep order but at the same time to kind of keep them informed of what you got going on or what you're doing so before you can even make moves you got to let the city know and the state know and this person on this person at that point it's not even it's not even a move you know it's more of just it's just now it's an outing everyone knows about it what's going on and stuff like that and I feel like you can't really move like that in a situation where everyone's moving like that. For me, I got to find someone who's like, yeah, maybe that rule we ain't going to follow all the way, but we're going to follow some of it. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's, that's big, especially in New York city. I <laughs> said with, with getting things done, you know, whether it's you got to pay somebody cash for a job or, or you got to, you know, do the job from 12 a.m. at night to 4 a.m. in the morning, that kind of flexibility, that kind of like, if this is what we got to do to get it done. Then this is what we're gonna do to get it done. You know what I'm saying? I know it may not be the best. It may not be orthodox. Whatever it is, but like at the end of the day, that's just got. That's what it's got to be to get it done. And that's what we're gonna do to get where we gotta go. that's
3: what's up. up? Yeah, i what I mean, it, for me, it starts with you know pride and, and passion. So almost anything else on the construction job, I can teach you, but I, I can't teach you to have pride in your work. And that's mm-hmm. just such a just a big thing is like when you when you can tell when somebody has pride in their work and then it just comes with they don't cut corners they do everything to code which is a big one and then you know you know they come with solutions so you know just piggybacking off what O'Day says i'm a little bit more of a micromanager whereas if there's an issue i need you to come to me but come to me with with the solution that you have so if you have a problem with something say hey max here's the issue i ran into here's how i would fix it what do you think so don't just come to me and say, here's my problem. I don't know what to do about it. So it, it comes with pride and, and passion for your work. And that really honestly solves 99% of the other issues that I would have with with anyone I'm working with when they take pride in their work. So that's really what I look for.
1: Good, good. That sounds like all solid stuff, man. Um, I, guess, I guess my answer is all those answers. But for the most part, um, when I'm building a team, man, I think trust is one of my biggest biggest things I want to go with. I haven't got to the point where I give people opportunities, but then I also don't have like multiple, I'm not giving you multiple opportunities. If that makes sense, like you get the, you hand the ball off to the running back and they either, and they either, they either they get positive yards and don't fumble or they fumble. You know what I'm saying? It's either one or the mm-hmm. other. Like we either got to go with a different running back or, or, or you can do the job. But at the end of the day, I can't just keep handing it off to a guy that keep fumbling, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, I think that's one of my biggest things is, is just being able to trust you out there in a the space, which is basically everything that you guys just said in general from, you know, O'Day wanting to see people that are solution oriented. Dom Joe wanting to make sure somebody has some a history of doing well. Max, all the different qualities that he's talking about. But at the end of the day, can I trust you? Can I not trust you? And my trust is this. This is what my trust means. You know what I'm saying? So, um, for everybody out there that's listening when they're building a team, I think, making sure that you could trust somebody and defining what your trust is. And if you explain, like if you can do these things for me, we good. Like we ain't gonna have no issue. If you can't do these things, then we're not going to be good. So I had to fire my guy. I know we've been on the podcast talking about my guy that has been helping me with helping hands. Fire, fire. You know yeah. Yeah. Fire it. Um, but you know, <laughs> I give, give you a task. And I, yeah. Yeah. I give you a task, and I give you, I've been paying you for two or three months to do this task. And you know, I gave him off this week. First of all, if you work for me and I give you off a week and I say, I'm going to review your work. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It better be on task, man. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So I gave him off a week, man. Went to go review his work from the past three months. What'd you find? What'd you find when you you reviewed his computer? Hey, man. What I found when I reviewed his computer is, 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 all right. So his job was to lead the, lead the target list in all the different cities that we work in for helping hands. And, um, you know, his main job is to go get targets, go get email addresses for people that we're supposed to contact that make decisions. New Jersey had about 100 contacts and probably had about 20 20 email addresses. You know what I'm saying? Philadelphia, five, six, 20 email addresses. Damn. for me to pay you and your main job is and I don't think it's a communication issue, but my, my main job, your main job is to build this target list and get these email addresses. Should that should not be empty if you got eight hours a day that I'm paying you for. You know what I'm saying? That should be done. That should be done, man. You know, and then on top of that, I'm not going to get into other stuff, but, you know, I'm in my office working and I got DoorDash dropping off breakfast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, got, I, got, I, got, I got DoorDash dropping off breakfast over there in the other room, man. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and, uh, man. You know, I got 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. start time. He there at 905 every day. So, you no, know, mm. just, hey, only, the the snowball can only build up for so long before we uh we got to move him off the track you know yeah. so, cuz at, at the end of the day you know at the end of the day you know it's offense and defense and uh i was playing offense and i ain't have enough defense that boy was out here that boy was out here giving up points over there man he was over there giving up <laughs> points but uh <laughs>
3: that's that's what that's what
1: it is man so O'Day man let everybody know where they can reach you at on social media all those different types of platforms like that we appreciate you being on the podcast one thing about O'Day man that you guys realize is that guy smart he's a UVA guy you know when I went to UVA coach Grover first thing he told me was you're a UVA guy and I think O'Day is a perfect example of that not just a football player way beyond a football player and hopefully everybody can respect that for student-athletes that go to UVA is that, you know, it's a lot more to us than, than just the game. So Oday, man, let those guys, let everybody know where they can reach you at. Um, Much respect for everything you're doing and continue to stay in the league. Man, you talked about it earlier about how, man, it's a cutthroat, it's a cutthroat business and, you know, being able to survive is a, is a, is a task of its own. So uh, much respect on that end, man.
2: No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on here. You guys follow me on Twitter. I'm at OdayAbushi75, and then on Instagram, I'm just OdayAbushi, but Oday with a zero. I'm saying keeps me grounded. I don't want to be too high up there. Um, but, no, nah, man, I appreciate you guys getting, letting me get on here and chop it up with you boys. Um, and, and, yeah, man, look forward to doing it again. Sure, man, for sure. Dom Joe, you got the gas this week? He got the oh,
1: gas this week. I got the gas? I, I don't even know. You got the gas.
0: But, you know, I always come with that premium. I didn't even know I got the gas this week, man. Go with that 93. Oh. Don't give me that 87. Go you know? with
2: that 93, right. not
0: that 87,
3: yeah. baby.
2: John think, John, Dom, stay with the juice. Yeah. Hey, man.
0: You, already,
3: you already know that.
2: Yeah, First time I met Dom, he walked into the locker room with some flip-flops, sweat sagging, and a big old cup of juice in a styrofoam cup.
3: Cup of there Joe. This is a cup from the uh gas station, baby. <laughs> from the gas
2: station, big old thirty-two ounce foam cup. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Y'all know what time it is? Oh, this no. hands, boy. Hey, oh because, man. But, hey, this, this
0: week, the man. The time is now, man. That that's the gas this week, man. The time is now. All right. So what I mean by that is, whatever you got to do, rise up, rise up and face, run to the roar, face your challenges, whatever it is, man. But you have to take take whatever you're doing, take your profession to the next level this week, man. Don't wait next week. Don't do it on Tuesday. No, 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 no. Do it tonight. Wake up tomorrow. Wake up tomorrow. Rise up and, and win with a purpose, man. That's the gas.
1: Dr. Joe, we appreciate the gas of the week, man. We'll holler at y'all boys next week.